2: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome in to a new week of Daily Faceoff Live. As always, streaming on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. And as always, brought to you by Batano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Super Bowl week. You know they got it all covered. And as G Sip says in the YouTube chat, back to real hockey. Yes, there's real hockey this week. You can find all the odds. On Botano, I'm Tyler Remchuk, and here's our Daily Faceoff Insider, Frank Cervalli, back in the comfort of our home studios, Frank.
3: Uh, it was a wild week in Toronto. So many things happening, not just uh, the all-star and extracurriculars, but just from a sheer work perspective. Two trades, the top two guys on our trade targets board, off the board, a coach fired. I mean, the Olympics, Arizona, there's so many things happening.
0: There, yeah, all star weekend. It was more like all news weekend. But let's start things off today with a little bit of a recap about what we saw with all star weekend. Frank, you and I were chatting in the press box for during the skills competition, both being like, hey, this is actually like not painful to sit through. I thought the NHL did a really good job of we're going to break things down into like what we loved, maybe what we didn't like. What I loved was the new format of the skills comp.
3: Yeah, me too. I thought it was really good. I thought the players were into it. I thought they competed aside from Nikita Kucherov, which is fine. Um, I thought the events were well-paced. That was the key. Like going back to Florida last year, that it, the night just seemed to drag on. And I thought that there was some legit um effort involved. Like that one-on-one between the player and goalie where you got to pick your goalie. All those things really interesting and I thought, you know, kind of fitting that the most highly evolved player of all time. And Connor McDavid wins the $1 million.
0: Yeah. And I loved the jokes that came out after McDavid pulling off the greatest heist ever design the all-star game format with the skills competition. Go win it, get a million bucks. Why not? Um, what I didn't love, I I know some people were saying the effort in the actual all-star game. And I guess I agree. (laughs) I think my point is kind of, you're ne- that's not the league's problem. Like you're never gonna get these guys to what go buck ten for a three on three tournament. I thought the final matchup was good, and honestly, I think there is something to be said after watching this weekend and what worked and what didn't. The skills competition should be the marquee event. They put it on the Friday night or whatever, and like make that the the star of everything because that was the best part.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the game itself, I know that there's, I guess, some maybe tradition going back to the 1950s. And I, I understand it, but I I personally look forward to the skills way more than the all-star itself every year.
0: We talked about it on Friday, but the draft itself was a little bit awkward and dry, didn't really do much in terms of grabbing viewers, as you pointed out this morning on the DFO rundown. But I did like that they went away from the divisional thing and we got to see some guys play with players they usually don't play with. We got to see David Pasternak light up Jeremy Swayman. I did like that while the draft was kind of boring or super boring shouldn't say kind of i do like the teams it gave us
3: yeah it was just awkward um the draft itself was kind of a miss but i do like that the teams were mixed up and by the way you can make the argument about mvp austin matthews it was really we all know the real mvp of all-star weekend was tate McRae. so um the captains were a great idea and i love their participation as well
0: And now it seems like we may not have an All-Star game for a couple of years. And that ties in to what Gary Bettman had to say at All-Star Weekend. Frank, we will start with the talk about international hockey. It confirmed your report from earlier on Friday. We are getting the Four Nations face-off. We got the name for this thing. Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland next year in a four-team tournament. Still don't know for sure the spot it's going to be in. But I guess just now that we know all the details and how this is going to work, Frank, what do you make of this idea?
3: Yeah, very likely still to be Montreal and Boston to host. We're still going through the official sort of uh, process, which involves bidding, but that seems likely where it's heading. And, you know, I I think this is a great fit. I understand the complaints from players and fans of certain countries. Hey, you know, what about Czechia? What about Germany? Leon Dreisaitl and David Pasternak and and all those guys. Uh, It's a shame that they can't be part of it. but it was beyond time to get international hockey back on the stage. And this is the perfect way to sort of reintroduce that get Connor McDavid in a team Canada uniform, get Austin Matthews and the Kachuk brothers playing for team USA along with the Hughes brothers. Like there's so many things to look forward to when it comes to international hockey. I think we should just kind of keep our eye on, on the ball of let's focus on how legit this, you know, competition is going to be one year from now, as opposed to wondering or worrying about what isn't part of it. I mentioned before last week, the reason why, you know, we've got it set up this way. First off, it's timing. You you can't squeeze a huge tournament into a 10 day window. So you're somewhat limited beyond that. Sweden and Finland had made it really clear to the NHL that if Russia was part of it that they weren't going to be. So they had to kind of limit the field in some ways with Russia out and Sweden and Finland as the next sort of big hockey superpowers made sense.
0: Yeah. Um, You're right. Like it is a little disappointing, but at the same time, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We've been wishing for best on best hockey for a long time. They're doing the best with what they can on a tight timeline. The year after that, 2026 is an Olympic year, Frank. And now normally the, the traditional mindset is if it's an Olympic year, no all-star game, is that guaranteed to be the case?
3: Not a hundred percent guaranteed. You have to remember back in 2022, the NHL brought on a new TV partner in the U S ESPN. They have all-star weekend and they make a big deal of it. So it is still possible that we get an all-star game in 2026. They were planning to have NHL players at all-star and then they were flying directly to Beijing. That of course didn't end up happening because of the pandemic. But nonetheless, they did try and do both in the same season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility just yet. That may be the next All-Stars 2026, as we know next year with the four nations face off that there won't be one.
0: Wrapping up with what Gary Bettman had to say, he spoke a little bit about the 2018 London police investigation and the tie-in to the one former NHLer and handful of current NHLers. I- I'm not gonna rip through all the quotes, Frank, but I'll maybe just tee you up with what stood out to you in terms of what Bettman had to say on this investigation.
3: Yeah, I think really the first part is that this is going to be a long process, that it's possible that the court does not hear this case until 2026. And we're kind of really just beginning that and that the NHL essentially has said, we've done our investigation. Hockey Canada has done their own independent investigation and now London police service, they've done theirs and they are bringing charges. And those five players have now indeed been charged. The first court hearing being held today that really the NHL needs to wait for the judicial process to play itself out. They there's a jurisprudence issue at play here in the sense that the NHL doesn't have the authority to make or issue punishments in the sense that what happens if these players are then go through a due process in a court of law and are found not guilty. Well, what happens to the NHL and their punishments then? And can they be challenged? So right now, as we know, those players are on leave of absence and Gary Bettman pointed out clearly that they all have contracts that are expiring at the end of this season. I don't know if they're going to be re-signed or not, but it kind of seems like those players are more or less going to be parked to the side for now, unless there's a challenge from them as this process is playing out. Yes. I took a leave of absence, but I'm still being paid. Can I continue my career? Can I come back and play? I don't know what the league's answer would be to that question. And, Frankly, it's one in real time. I wish I had the ability to ask or was smart enough to ask on Friday.
0: Yeah, it was uh, interesting. And we'll have a little bit more on that later in the show with Ask DFO. Uh, John Goins and I were joking before the show, Frank. Our our next headline is Walsh calls out the Coyotes. And it's not the usual Walsh. It's not Alan Walsh uh, making a comment about the Yotes. It is Marty Walsh of the NHLPA. And he had some pretty direct criticisms of the Yotes, saying he's, quote, extremely concerned and disappointed with the coyotes ownership situation or sorry with coyotes ownership and their arena situation he added how long do you wait to get a home they're playing in a college arena and they're the second tenant in that arena this is not the way to run a business some scathing words from walsh and it really speaks to the frustration the pa is feeling with this organization over a handful of things really
3: I think it really speaks to the frustration that the players are voicing to Marty Walsh, the NHLPA's executive director. That is, he's the guy that has the sort of bully pulpit, so to speak. He may not have an avenue available to him by the CBA, as he acknowledged that there's no recourse. The NHLPA can't determine where these teams play, that's solely up to the discretion of the NHL. However, because he doesn't have the leverage in the CBA. The only thing he really can do is use that voice to, to explain to fans everywhere that players really aren't happy with this situation. It's not just the arena part of it. It's also the unsettled nature of the next question, which is what happens next. And so I've been saying for months that the coyotes are on the clock. That's not my opinion. That's reporting and fact. And I believe we are within days and or weeks of getting some kind of announcement on the Coyotes front one way or the other. The commissioner really had a long pause for someone who's generally very calculated with his his answers and words about the situation with the Coyotes. He said their owner, Alex Maruello, ensures him that he's going to land on an arena site soon. And then he said, I'm quote, reasonably, and then he paused for a bit. And thought about it and said reasonably confident that they can get this done. I don't, I think reading between the lines doesn't seem like they have much faith that this can be pulled off. And let's see what happens in the meantime as to what the other options are. Can they stay in Phoenix? Will another group swoop in and buy the coyotes and then privately finance a land purchase and build an arena? Or is it simply the path of least resistance, which would be to? relocate the team to salt lake city which is sort of what everyone is kind of hanging on at the moment
0: yeah there was another interesting quote from walsh who said you can buy a piece of land how long will it take to permit the land do you need a referendum is there hazardous waste do you need to remediate the land he said so you can talk about buying land in arizona and it can be 10 years before a shovel goes into the ground what you mentioned with maybe a new ownership group coming in frank is that kind of caught my attention you said it earlier today on the dfo rundown as one of the two possibilities so do you really think that in the next six months it's either new ownership or new city and nothing in between Uh,
3: six it's not six months i'm telling you it's weeks and or days that they have to pull this off walsh said publicly for the first time that the team has blown through two quote artificial deadlines and one of those was believed to be january 31st to put a concrete plan of when they are putting shovels and steel in the ground on an arena and they don't even have land settled yet so i i don't believe it's going to drag out that long and yes i do believe that there's at least someone out there that's willing to privately finance all of this and do it um i just You know, we don't have more details yet, but that's sort of the thought process behind the scenes. Lots of people speculating.
0: All right, let's move along to our usual Monday segment and wrap up this thing with a little fair or foul. Frank, some news from over the weekend. That fourth overall pick from 2016, yes, Apuliarvi is signing a two-year deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. was having a nice little run in the American League on an amateur tryout. He's now going to get a crack with the big club, fair or foul. Apuliarvi establishes himself as a top nine everyday winger in the NHL with the Penguins.
3: I'm going to say foul. Um... Look, I, I don't know how much his his issue and injury was hampering him. I believe it was a hip, and it's it's always tough to say for sure. You've seen players come back and be way more productive after getting that taken care of, so it's, it's possible, and he's still a young guy, but I, I think we have a long enough track record to know now that he's at least previously was not a viable option in the top nine, so I'm going to need to see it to believe it.
0: Fair enough. Uh, we talked about Todd McClellan being fired in LA on Friday after having a weekend to sit on it and you know, debate maybe if they're going to get a coach bump. I'm gonna say the Kings aren't gonna get a very significant bump. They will stay in a wild card spot between now and the playoffs, Frank Fairfowl.
3: I think fair, but I think that's more to do with the three teams in front of them than what the Kings have going on in their own their own issues. Yes, they've fallen back to earth. Um yes, their season and their playoff hopes are kind of dangling and I don't want to say by a thread because I don't really know who's going to come up, you know, past that 8th spot and and grab a playoff spot from them, but the way the Oilers have been cooking, it certainly seems like they're going to have first round uh home ice advantage in the first round and by the way that uh they could be playing for part of that. It seems uh and they're already past the Golden Knights on points percentage, but Feels like there's a lot on the line on Tuesday night in Vegas. And I just, I don't see Vegas sort of falling. Like, I think they've kind of hit their rock bottom, so to speak. And eventually we'll get guys back from injury. I don't know that the Kings have enough to, to grab one of those three spots in the Pacific.
0: All right. Last one I have for you is not a fair foul. It's an over under. And Gavin, if we could flash up the standings once again, we saw in the last week, Frank, two Western Conference teams go out and trade first round picks. If I set the over under at one and a half more first round picks being dealt by Western conference teams, are you going over or under?
3: I'm going to go over. Okay. I'd be surprised if the Oilers don't make a splash at the end of the day, even as well as they're playing and, and same thing with Colorado. I mean, maybe it's not, you know, maybe they do two deals that to get a center uh, and a goalie that don't equate to first round picks, but I'd still take, I'd, st- I still take the over. I don't, I hate rooting for the under.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I was gonna set the line at two and a half. That probably would like the chance of three. I would have
3: taken an under. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at somewhere right around two. I think uh, you got you go. the line right.
3: Put that yep. on Botano.
0: Yeah. Uh, just quickly, I know Jeremiah threw it in the chat. I saw it as well. Amanda Stein reporting Jack Hughes back on the ice for the New Jersey Devils today. So a potential boost for them coming out of the all star bye week as the Devils look to get back in the mix out east. Uh, we talked about Sean Monaghan, the first round pick. Let's dig into that fit with the Jets a little bit more and get into the coaches room. The coach's room is brought to you by DoorDash for a limited time our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more all you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code nation25 john goins you can find him on twitter at gourmet underscore hockey joining us as he does every Monday and you had an up close and personal look at Sean Monahan over the last couple of years in Montreal so I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit on this fit with the Winnipeg Jets. What have you noticed in the one area where he's made a big impact in Montreal, obviously monahan that is, is on the power play. But what have you noticed with the jets power play that is lacking and made this trade or could make this trade more impactful beyond just five on five scoring the slot, the slot,
1: the slot, they are poor. They have poor, poor numbers. Analytically, even just through the eye test, they do not generate anything within the slot. You know, we, we look at all these power plays across the line and we, across the league and we look at the big one tees and the this and the that. But the reality is scoring still comes at a higher rate where in the slot, you know, overall, it's about 78 to 82 percent. But now on the power play, again, it's the slot. It's the inner slot. You know, we talk about net presence. Net presence isn't sticking a big dummy in front of the net that just takes away the goalie's eyes. They need to have really neat skills, the JVR type of skills at the goal line. What can Chuck can do? The 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 deflections and screens of a of a Joel Pavelski, all those types of guys. You got Jamie Ben, who's been paid crazy amount of money, and John Tavares, who have done a phenomenal job. Where net presence, however, as we let these clips roll, we will see. And these are only three simple clips. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
3: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Where you're going to be able to see the lack of either trust to send it to the bumper area or how the bumper player makes himself available, right? And once we transfer over to the Montreal Clips, you'll see how it is such an obvious difference. Here Winnipeg gets the pucks, their power play is 15.7% on the season. They're one of the better teams in the league, big surprise. They're 24th last year 23rd in the league and it's back-to-back seasons where analytically or on the eye t- or with the eye test, they just do not know or have the personnel to really establish a great bumper which could alleviate pressure which can draw attention towards you, and it can be also a decoy. I mean, there's so many elements as we let this finish off, and we see, again, they're going to have a gaping hole here, and Ehlers is going to get the puck after it goes to Morrissey on top, and he's got no support. So Velarde is just going to go to the front of the net and try to screen, but it doesn't really create any type of outnumber situations. It gives Marner and it gives uh, Brody all kinds of time to flex out. However, in Montreal, it's a vastly different story.
3: Yeah. So Mark Shifley had mentioned over the weekend that he had gotten a bunch of text messages from people around the league saying, hey, you, you finally got that bumper guy that you were looking for. Why is Sean Monaghan? Show us why he's that fit.
1: It's and it's it's outstanding because I'll I'll put on my Frank Sarvalli insider hat on for here for a second. Montreal's power play struggled mightily at the beginning of the year. Sean Monaghan was net front, not bumper, net front. So did a little digging. Sean Monaghan wants to be bumper. He is a lead at bumper. And Montreal's power play was horrendous for the, say, the first 25, 32 games of the season until they did what? Put Sean Monaghan at the bumper. And then it was like Eureka, All everything changed. Their looks changed, their creativity changed. It's how well he supports. You want to do a high bumper play, he can do that. you kind of alleviate pressure, great. You want to get it inside and he's ready to shoot. Well, his deception, once he gets that puck inside dots, inside the slot, is phenomenal. And we've got some great examples of that rolling up here in the clips. So here against Pittsburgh, these are all clips from recent games. They scored eight power play goals at five on uh on the power play in their last 10 games. And this clip, we're gonna also see the replay clip of it. He shoulder checks five to six times on this play. This looks like a broken play. I was calling this game. You're like, did he touch that? Did he do this on purpose? But when you watch his head at all times, he establishes support. Support again. He's checked six times. He knows O'Connor's coming on his backside. Just a little tap. Like, he just knows. There's no surprise. Now against the Islanders, I got a chance to call this game. He makes himself available on three occasions. Sorry, four occasions to Matheson, Caulfield, and Suzuki. He's available. You'll see the little nuances. He backs into players, then he moves forward. He takes away defenders' hands, and now watch this play. As he circles his body around this puck, everybody thinks he's ripping this thing. Well, you better be ready if you're on the ice with him because he's going to kick it out and set guys up to be in a great spot. Listen, Frank and I did a breakdown on Monahan. He's not a burner in any way, shape, or form, but he has poison. he has phenomenal timing. And on a little zone entry, he does a stick lift and he's there. He's Johnny on the spot. Watch the support and the reset on this. Again, he's not a burner, but because he anticipates, he can get to places at the right time. Again, support, alleviate pressure. Now watch this fake. Everybody bites. And again, I set this one up on purpose to have the backside camera on the replay because you watch the job that he does to circle back above the puck and then catch it, toes at the net, fake, everybody bites. Boom, right on Caulfield's stick. And lo and behold, Caulfield's scoring has gone through the roof because of the power play in Montreal and because of Sean Monaghan. Nothing against Nick Suzuki. As Sean Monaghan joins the Winnipeg Jets, he becomes the number one point getter on the power play with 16 points on the power play. Nobody has more than 11 currently. So you see, again, he catches a high puck, looks over his shoulder, sets up uh, Matheson for a one tee. And then it's his ability to go from goal line to bumper and it's the poise. And when in doubt, just be a decoy and let uh, Cole Caulfield rip pucks in an open net. He he is just, I I coined the phrase early in the year when they were playing well, it was Monaghan, what's his face, Uh, Gallagher and Pedersen. And I called them the craftsmen because they were just the old guys. They were crafty. He is the epitome of the craftsman. And if he gets that sponsorship, I want my cut.
0: <laughs> so just to wrap this up, we're looking at a Jets power play that has just been abysmal this season, as we touched on. And you mentioned what a big part Monahan is of the Habs power play. But hey, the Habs power play also hasn't been lighting the world on fire. They're sitting there 19th in the NHL. They're a hair under 20%. So do you think Monahan will actually have a tangible impact on this power play unit in Winnipeg?
1: Yeah, and just I kind of mentioned, I touched on it previously. He started the year at net presence. Their power play, like everybody was going crazy here in the media, constantly harping on Martin St. Louis. What about the power play? What about the power play? And lo and behold, the moment he went to the bumper, and I got from a very good source the moment he went to the bumper, it obviously, it right away connected the QB position to the flanks, to the net front. He was that missing piece right in the middle that could connect the all five guys because of how well he supports with and without the puck. It's elite, and he's an underrated bumper player, and I'm not surprised that Mark Scheifele was getting those stacks.
0: There you go, the coach's room with John Goins. He does color commentary for TSN 690 for both the Habs and the Rocket, and every Monday you find him here on Daily Faceoff Live. We'll talk to you next week, John. See you guys. Hashtag ask DFO brought to you by Seagram's VO select Canadian whiskey, whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own with Seagram's VO whiskey. Frank, uh, we're going to have a press conference today with uh, the London police. What are you expecting out of that?
3: Yeah, I think that's um, the big question heading into this is we've already learned a lot. We know who the five players are that have been charged. I think one of the big ones that I have is uh, at least in the complaint in civil court, the victim alleged victim had said that there were as many as eight players in the room. So what happened to the other three? Uh, Why have they not reached the level of being charged and what other details will the London police service uncover aside from the 94 page report that they had filed in court previously, which was reported on by the globe and mail. I mean, we're not expecting them to present a case or anything like that. That's what court is for. But how did they arrive at this point now? After um, a, a initially conducting an investigation in 2019 and 2018, and not having brought any charges, so um, that is you know really top of mind. And um, we we know a lot of details now, but what more can they add to the story? And uh, as mentioned, there was a hearing in court today. The lawyers for the five players were present. The discovery phase is going to continue where they share information back and forth. Uh, The Crown shares the evidence that it's gathered, including the multitude of text messages and videos. And the next hearing is on April 30th. So uh, this is going to be a long and slow process. But, um, you know, this was kind of the first step in that.
0: All right, I'll give you a hockey one as well, just going over to the YouTube. And I know I'm fully putting you on the spot with this, but Christopher Palmer, you know, he said we got all the news about the international events coming up. Does the NHL have anything planned for regular season games abroad next season? We didn't hear anything about the next chapter of the global series or anything like that.
3: That's a good question. I don't know the answer. I would think that they're continuing the series, but I don't know for certain.
0: All right, there you go. We're going to move on to our bets, but first a message from our friends at Seagram's.
1: My family's very own whiskey, barrel-aged and set apart, marked with VO, artfully blended, impeccably crafted, as a wedding gift to my son, for the bride and groom. And now, over a century later, from our very own family to yours, a legacy rooted in whiskey. Seagram's VO, growing deeper, reaching out, raising a glass to your legacy. Seagram's VO, make it your very own.
0: Our Botano daily bets for the day. Frank, meaningful hockey back on tap tonight. There are two games and I got two plays, including just a standalone shot prop. I'm going with Brock Nelson of the New York Islanders. They're in Toronto taking on the Maple Leafs. Nelson has hit this mark in four or five before the break, and he's been over four shots in a couple of those games as well. So I like the minus 133 price tag there. And then I'm also going, with the Colorado Avalanche on the money line. Now, they've been an average road team. The Rangers have actually been a pretty good home team as well, but the Rangers under 500 heading in in their last 10 games, heading into the break. The Avs were on a three-game heater. So with just those two things right there considered, I actually like the Avs here. They are slight, slight, slight underdogs, and anytime you can get a team as good as Colorado, who's leading the Central Division, as an underdog, I say you jump all over it. So those are my two plays. The Nelson shot prop, and the Avs on the money line tonight, courtesy of Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca 19+. Please play responsibly, and that'll bring us to Garbage Time. Frank, brought to you by Wendy's and the Daily Faceoff Survivor game. It's a double jeopardy week. We're only on day three of eight. If you didn't think it was hard enough to make it to the end before, we made it twice as hard. So you can head to Wendy's, or sorry, DailyFaceoffSurvivor.com to get in on the Survivor pool brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, Those games there for tomorrow. It's tough, Frank. Tough sled.
3: Yeah. And if you're already out, uh, so it's a whole waiting a whole nother week. So uh, I can't wait to get back in and see if I can just, I just want to make it to day two. Don't get shut out.
0: Uh, what do you got for garbage time?
3: So the Arizona coyotes who we talked about a lot already in this show sent out a tweet and it'd be easy to poke fun at them for this tweet. The Maroello family flew coyotes all-star Clayton Keller and head equipment manager, Stan Wilson, back from toronto in style on the old pj i mean something that nhl teams have been doing with their all-stars for 15 plus years now so congratulations and welcome to the big boy table but really wanted to zoom in and uh and highlight that the heat daddy where how did he end up on the jet not sure but there he is in the picture there robbie gucci hilarious if you follow him on social media at times over the top but somehow he has wormed his way into a seat on the on the pj going back to the desert and uh pretty awesome to see that and in a much more serious tone uh wanted to send out our best wishes to calgary flames legend and hockey hall of famer lanny mcdonald he posted on his instagram today that he had a cardiac event arriving at the calgary airport uh on his way back from all-star weekend in toronto He shouted out the two selfless nurses that were passing by to catch their own flights and jumped into action. Uh, He says he's doing well as they're figuring out the next steps at the hospital, but uh, sending our best to one of hockey's all-time great guys.
0: Yeah, all the best to Lanny and his family there. That is a wrap on today's show. Garbage Time brought to you by Wendy's. Of course, the show brought to you by Botano. Everyone on the YouTube, you were great. And guess what? We're back tomorrow at the same time, noon Eastern. Chat with you then.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh.
0: But there's more, you gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard,